true industry veteran, mentor, strategic visionary, and a true Schwabi. Those are just a few of the words that come to mind after my conversation with John Connor. John's official title is Vice President of Digital Advisor Solutions for Charles Schwab. But in my mind, his job title should be bringer of change. John started with Charles Schwab over 20 years ago when you still had to call the desk to make trades. He's been part of the transformation from phone and fax to online digital and app-based trading. John gets the innovation that is occurring as one of those industry vets that is open to it. Actually, he's all in on the innovation. And today we go all in with John Connor on where Schwab is going technologically and what RIAs can do to stay innovative. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. John, thanks for joining us from uh, from snowy Colorado. How are you? Uh, really good. It's a little cold. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got our first snow of the, uh, of the, I guess, the season here. And uh, it was 80 degrees yesterday and we dropped about 60 degrees. But uh, all good. Thanks for having me. Really happy to be here. Well, yeah, the joys, the joys of Colorado. And uh you know, when we were talking earlier, uh, you know, one of the most interesting things about you is you've been with Schwab forever. I mean, for a long time, uh, and you've seen uh, quite the the transformation of of the company. Um, what do you remember from the days twenty years ago when y'all were taking trades via fax and phone only? Uh, boy, I mean, I mean, I remember a lot, uh, to be honest, it, you know, it's embarrassing, but it wasn't even 20 years ago. <laughs> you know, that was, that was going on, uh, less than 20 years ago for quite a while. And, and I, you know, what I remember is hair on fire, right? It was always just, you know, you, you had to be so good at 10 keying on a keyboard and you had people running or you would call them runners running faxes of orders like you know if anybody want to do more than 10 trades basically they'd fax them in instead of calling them in right and you know people would be like who wants to take a fax and you'd raise your hand you bust the trades in before the price moved and you, it was just like hair on fire all the time <laughs> and uh you know i know we're going to talk about this uh you know in detail a little bit here but there wasn't a lot of room that for you know getting a really nice conversation going right with your client it was just uh, very tactical. Uh, that that stuff washed out uh, very slowly, I'd say, over the years in this industry. Um, and, and obviously, where we are today is just so so different than where it was before. The other thing I'd mention is we we um, we went to battle on volumes through staff, right? <laughs> so, in that type of a situation, if you if you own a business. Uh, in that type of situation, the only way that you can ramp up and ramp down is with people, and uh, that was a that was a, it was always a tough time staffing up and down. So there would be times when we'd have a lot of us just sitting around, you know, watching the Broncos game right? <laughs> because you had to be right staffed for for you know just before the market closed. Uh, so it's very very different times. Yeah, and and I mean the uh, the 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 times have changed also because uh, you know prior to your days at Schwab you had a uh, a travel agency and and the times have changed in that space as well. Tell us a little bit about your uh, your days um, with your travel business. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very very similar, right? So I I uh, I'm a UCF guy. We got a pretty good football team these days. I was down in Orlando. Um, you know, my dream and, and passion to this day still uh, very much travel. Um, I was doing uh, custom trips down to New Zealand and South Pacific 
area um, when orbits and travelocity came out. Very similar, right? So there was online trading, if you will, or online ability to book your travel. Um, and, it, and it really pushed out a lot of the, or commoditized a lot of the travel agencies that were just, um, you know, booking airline tickets and hotel rooms for a 2 to 5% commission, right? Very high volume, tactical business, if you will, but that was the traditional model. And it, and it basically, uh, anybody that was providing real value, um, uh, you know, call it the client relationship, like providing real value, because I had been down in New Zealand, I had friends that had bed and breakfast down there, and uh, the conversation, if it was with you, would be, hey, Matt, you just got $10,000 for your honeymoon, and you want to go to New Zealand, good luck booking that on orbits, mm -hmm. right? Um, I've been down there. I know people there. I, I can provide so much value. So that, that's who made it in that industry, honestly, Matt. It's very similar. Anybody that could actually provide uh, value way over and above that, uh, the, the tactical that pretty much just got put out of business, if not brought down to 0% commissions. Right, on the travel side. There are such similarities between what we're about to talk about and then what you just said right there uh, within the industry today uh, that it's it's actually frightening a little bit um, right. as yeah. well. Uh, but before we go in there, I just want to talk on the last, uh, one of the last points that we had, we had uh, talked about earlier. And um, you have a, a passion for coaching and mentoring. Where does that stem from? And, and where, how do you implement that today in, in your day-to-day? So I, I've got a, obviously a, a large team of uh, product management here at Schwab. I also I also run the risk management um, organization. For uh, you know, shout out to Nisha Hoppy, our chief digital officer. Absolutely love uh, our group here. Um, so I have a, a large team. Uh, it's grown over the years, and um, what I what I tell them is that you know what I do and my passion is not. It's no different than what you'd see, Matt, when I'm outside of work. Uh, when I'm outside of work, I'm the one coaching youth baseball all those years. I'm, I, I'm, you know, I got three kids. I, I absolutely loved getting involved and coaching uh, these kids. And matter of fact, I just learned uh, head coaching uh, my girls' bas the, my daughter's basketball team here uh, in the fall. So um, it's just me. I, I just love it. I love helping people. And I, I tell my team if I'm coming in, uh, it's actually 23 years to 12. If I'm coming in five out of seven days of my life um, away from my wonderful wife and kids. Um, that's the kind of stuff I want to be doing. I want to be able to say that I'm helping people and, um, you know, in a company with 20,000 plus employees with cultures and subcultures and all the politics and everything else that comes with that, there's, there's a need for new individuals uh, to my team, to the firm, to learn how to navigate that. There's just so many angles to that, right? And um, I've always got a real kick out of a, a working for such a large uh, company that has such a big footprint, not just the 20,000 employees, but it's a... It's a fun and challenging place to maneuver around Schwab. So I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, let's uh, let's dive into that and um, and kind of dive into the, the the where where the industry is going from from y'all's perspective because y'all sit uh, on such a higher uh, level than a lot of the the firms. Of you get to see so much more. Um, and and I, I really like to start simple here. Um, given your seat and from your perspective. What what's the state of our industry? If you're giving kind of a state of the union, what are the three points uh, that you you think in terms of the state of our industry today? So um, I probably should have mentioned in my 23 years here at Schwab, 20 have been with uh, advisor services or RAA side, right? So when I think of industry, I really talk RAA industry. Um, and I, boy, I'll tell you, the, the the first is just 
outside of RIA, so it, like the technology side, fintech, huge recognition of RIA. It, it is just legitimized in the fintech community. We have so many fintech entrants every year now, and if you look back just five or six years, um, you know, there, were, there weren't more than a handful of portfolio management, portfolio accounting tools, maybe a couple CRMs, right? And uh, you have hundreds uh, of fintech firms now available to uh, RIAs, and um, that, that is just a, a huge, huge change. So that, that, that right there, I, I'm obviously in charge of third-party integration for Schwab. That's a big deal for me. i got to call that out, number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? And then on the flip side, there's also from, from advisors, custodians, fintech, the end client, all the way down, everybody, there's a, there's a real recognition and drive to try to converge this industry's digital experiences with what everybody else is living every day. Right? I know it's becoming almost like a meme. We talk about this all the time. It's just so true. Right? You know, my uh, my front door is like an Amazon distribution center for my wife. It's, <laughs> you know, they're living in these big, huge, consolidated digital portals, and then we have the mobile devices. I know we've been talking about this for years, but it's just getting more and more a part of everybody's uh, everyday life, and our industry has recognized this as a major drive. I have friends at the other custodians as well. It's not just us. Um, we have to we have to figure this out and, and really this industry, financial industry especially, has, has in my opinion been slow compared to some of the others because of the regulation, the the size of some of the uh, the the entrenched custodians and banks that have been in the space. It's not easy to just you know lift up a tech stack from a, a company that was on the main on a big bank mainframe system for the last twenty years, right? And um, so there's, there's certain things that have held back our industry from really uh, moving that fast, but at the same time, the uh, uh, recognition drive is there. So that's a big deal. And then I, I'd say, you know, I, I like to call this out, State of the Union is still, um, the, the relationship with the client is still number one. Isn't that nice? Um, at the end of the day, uh, it, it really is about the relationship with the client. That's how we win. It's kind of, it, we were just talking about that with the travel industry at Schwab, it's beat into everybody's head through the client's eyes. You see it everywhere. You can't, even, you can't even go to cafeteria without seeing it here. Um, but it, it really is, uh, you know, about as the, the state of the industry right now as we drive to, towards all these digital capabilities and experiences, it's, it's in, under the guise of so that we can have better conversations and relationships with our clients. Yeah, how to drive deeper, how to drive deeper, more meaningful relationships with more clients, uh, because ultimately it comes down to the differentiation is how do you, uh, is in the relationship, right? You, you got a lot of the investment management becoming commoditized to some people in some people's minds. And so uh, you got to differentiate in the differences is our unique relationship building. I, I want to touch on the second point that you made with regards to kind of our industry's slowness to adapt to innovation. And, and it was because of regulation and, and because of like because of the 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 um, how big the custodial how how much we've been entrenched into the technology and you can't just change that tech stack. How do we change that? Right? How do we move faster as an industry? Given that those two things aren't going to change and they're not easy to change from that standpoint. Uh, yeah, so uh, a, a few of us around here like to say, it's, it, uh, Matt, at the end of the day, it's just a prioritization, <laughs> yeah. right? So I, I think when I, when I mentioned the recognition and the drive here in the industry and the State of the Union, that it's there. The prioritization is finally there. We, uh, everybody is really prioritizing and investing heavily 
uh, in this exact thing. And, um, you know, I, I know we're, we're going to talk some innovation here uh, at some point, I'm sure. But um, sometimes innovation is just taking that existing legacy tech stack, which is monstrous, uh, and, and getting that completely redone and modernized to make you more flexible for innovation, right? And um, it's been, a, you know, sometimes a 15, 20-year um, trudge to do that that is now being prioritized uh, in the very short term. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, that gets to the next question, right? Y- y'all, I think that Schwab has taken a, a huge you know, lead in terms of the innovation front on the technology side. Um, and so when you look at this and you're prioritizing, you know, y'all's roadmap in your years, what are your top three priorities right now in terms of uh, innovation and technology on the technology side? So, um, I, you know, this is funny to say, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll give you three, but I'll, I'll tell you the overarching umbrella is that innovation is important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, five, 10 years ago, the culture and for and a lot of firms was not that right there. So just, you know, our big priority, especially in digital services with Nisha, is to create a culture and a foundation for innovation, period. You can't just say you're going to be innovative if you, if you don't do that. So that's, that's kind of our overarching here. And it, it, I can tell you it's a, it has been a massive transformation already just in a couple of years. Um, just to go, John, just to go down that path, because I think that firms can learn from what y'all are doing at Schwab in terms of that focus, right? That overarching headline, that innovation is important. What types of steps has Nisha and y'all's team taken over the last five years to ingrain that into your mentality, which has ultimately changed your perception and prioritization of your day to day? Great question. Um, so first of all, I, I, we, we've done a lot of training on this and uh, in our objective setting, you know, so with your, with your staff, if you will, uh, you know, right in our objectives, we have objectives related to innovation. We also have objectives related to risk management, um, a, a call out for the feds here, right? Uh, you, you can't just build digital products without thinking about risk management and innovation here now. It's, it's actually part of your job. It's part of your objectives. So uh, that's, that's one way, but you can't just say it, right? Um, from a foundation perspective, we, we, we've begun in the last few years doing some pretty cool things uh, where if we deem something a, a very high strategic priority, we will uh, spin up what, what's called an accelerator. I don't know if you've heard that term before, yeah. Matt, but yeah. um, it's a, just a different process and way of, uh, of doing things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to accelerate and be super fast. It's, this is a, a term we came up with to, to basically, um, you know, we move existing people and new people, new hires into, uh, hopefully, it's usually we try to do a co-located facility. This is tech people, the business people, leadership, lawyers, whoever is associated with this are involved from day one and preferably in a co-located facility. A lot of this is in our Austin, Texas campus and also in San Francisco right now. And we've got, you know, at any given time, maybe four to six of these going on. Um, again, very high strategic priorities. And it's the, the delivery and the approach that's innovative. And uh, it's very different. Um, so in there, you're, you're, you're basically trying to uh, do an initial experience map end-to-end of the client digital experience, if you will. And when we do it, and if one of your firms is trying to be innovative, this is the most important piece, I, I feel, is you start with clients. It's all about your client. So you start with your clients and your employees, and often 
because the employees have more client interactions than anybody, usually, mm-hmm. right? Um, interestingly, we, you know, we can argue that Schwab.com or one of our websites has more interactions, but it's kind of hard to talk to a website. And that's where the AI and machine learning that comes in someday. But uh, your employees really do know best. They talk to your clients, you know, our clients. And um, if you get them in a room often at the same time up front, this is a little bit different, right? You're not just going to have a focus group with employees and then go have one with advisors or uh, end clients and are uh, uh, usually advisors for us. And you get them in a room and they all start talking and they banter off each other and, and it's very open and you got post-it notes on the wall and all this kind of stuff. For me, you know, when I first went in, I'm like, what is this? You know, but uh, you, the idea is you do, you do get some very interesting ideas and then you use the same type of thing when you spin up an idea um, to actually get iterative feedback from that same, those same focus groups as you go along. And then the big piece of that, the, you know, to answer your question directly, Matt, uh, is, you, is you put a culture and an understanding that it's like baseball. It's okay to fail. You know, you're, uh, you're in the Hall of Fame if you get uh, a hit three out of ten times at bat, right? You're not going to get ten out of ten at bat to get a hit. You're going to be in the Hall of Fame if you do it three out of ten times. So uh, I think what a lot of, when people get into innovation, they, they need to make it perfect. It's like, well, I'm going to use all these uh, all this time and money to innovate and do this proof of concept and test this out. I'm not throwing that away, Matt. At the end, it's way too money, right? Right. But inherently, part of innovating is to maybe throw away seven to ten of your ideas. I don't know the number, right? Right. Um, because you're you're trying, you're innovating. You're not just you know coming up with an idea that you've had for ten years and you couldn't fund it or prioritize it, right? So. The, you should expect to get some feedback that says, wow, I don't really, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. That proof of concept wasn't great. And you move on. And yeah. you move on to something else. And, and that's the challenge with many leaders is that we um, – we don't want to take ideas that may not work to our clients, especially in a relationship business. But sometimes you have to take that proof of concept and test it out on clients, and and let them know that this is a it is a test of proof of concept, right? The that you're trying we're trying something new because we're always trying to make your experience with us different and valuable and and engaging. Uh, but there's so many leaders uh, that are you know that that may, that's difficult because it uh, it can also potentially hurt the relationship, but you learn so much from that. I, I've told people, you know, from our technology company standpoint, uh, the best clients that we've had were the ones we lost because we lo- we learned so much from what that experience was. And that's where we elevate our company. If everybody, you know, you just are cautious with everybody, then sometimes you don't learn enough um, to, to build on. So I think that that is a challenge on, on iterative uh, innovation, uh, especially in this industry uh, with the personal relationship at such a core of, of, the, of the business. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, in my opinion, it's impossible to uh, innovate a P- and then come out with a POC without uh, iterating with the feedback from the client. What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so, you're, you're, because you're, you're you're just incubating in a box. And, and, and you right. don't, uh, it's an echo chamber that, you know, who knows if it's going to work now. And now you're in production and you're out of POC and you really wasted time and money. Exactly, right? so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I took us down a rabbit hole. I want to get back. What are the three... So innovation uh, innovation is important, is an overarching theme. What are the three uh, you know, focuses for you all on, an, on a technology innovation standpoint uh, going forward over the next, you know, say, six, yeah, 12 weeks? So, yeah, we got the umbrella on the culture, you know, our rabbit hole there, which I love. It, 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 so that, that's important. And now as we go to this, so the first one's boring. Uh, it's super boring. Everybody rolls their eyes when I say this, but it's really just 
the basics. Again, getting back to the foundation, we still today um, are, are receiving faxes and paperwork for a number of uh, capabilities for, the, for our back office, right? It's ridiculous. So we, we have to completely digitize um, all of our capabilities and, and yeah, yeah, is that innovative? No, but the approach here uh, we feel is a bit innovative and different in that as we uh, digitize all of our capabilities, everything, we're not just creating it for our proprietary website. We're, we're creating a reusable service. We refer to it as a utility. And uh, let's just use account open, for example. You probably heard us talk about our digital account open. We're doing the same thing with like your ability to send a service request in to your service team, and uh, we'll call it a digital service request. And you can, you can put attachments on there and do it and just send work that way. Whenever we build these capabilities, we're building a centralized, uh, rewritten, if you will, or new service. You know, the technical term is like an API, right? And the, our internal websites are going to use the same service as I'm going to put out to the third parties like InvestNet and SSMC Advent, Orion. Everybody's going to be using the same thing. It's, it's, it enables us to tell our advisors that you, you, know, you can pick the tech stack of your choice for, for not just your entire, entire tech stack, but maybe just one vertical, one capability. <laughs> maybe you just want one of our capabilities through a third-party system, premium, but you want to do the rest through our websites. Totally fine by us because it's all the same capability at the end of the day. Those are just channels to access these digital capabilities. In fact, if you got to fax or phone something, uh, it's not real easy for me to help you in the third-party community, Matt, right? Mm -hmm. um, better pick up the phone and talk to our service team. Uh, if we're just building it for our website, well, you're going to have to go find your ID and password for our website and maybe five other custodians that you uh, want to do that with, right? So uh, very, very, uh, that is our, my, especially for me, number one. Next one, uh, I would say is... Uh, we we're B2B, but we're trying to work with advisors on the end client and the portal experiences. This is a stretch, I feel, uh, for a lot of us. We, we get to talking and we, we go, oh, geez, I, I think I've talked to you about this, Matt. Um, you know, if we're going to do e-authorization uh, on, on all these digital capabilities, which you have to do, uh, do you want your client going onto my portal at Schwab or do you want it going into your portal or a third-party portal? And then once they're there, Shouldn't they be able to do all those digital capabilities that I'm unleashing for advisors? I mean, there's just so many things that we haven't quite got to on the end client experience, your client's experience, Matt, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's, that's a big uh, focus for us as well is to, to actually push the envelope, do some new stuff there. So keep your eyes open there. And that, and that actually is where AI and machine learning comes in, I believe. Um, you know, that, that the benefits to RIAs are that you could potentially see behaviors uh, from your end client that could inform you of things that might happen or you, maybe you should pick up the phone and talk to them, but we've got to be in there uh, helping on the end client portal and experience. Right. So that's a big one. And then, uh, you know, one, one of our accelerator projects actually that we spun up, which we're pretty excited about. Again, this is a, uh, it sounds boring at first, but it's, in a, it's very innovative in that we're, we're really one of the only ones that are digging into this that I'm aware of. So we're all looking at how to make onboarding much easier um, and digital, if you will, right? Um, we're, we're actually uh, in the middle if, uh, on a big project, at one of these accelerator projects, to figure out how to onboard an entire firm at one mm. time digitally. Wow. So 
if you had a team or a very large, uh, you know, you know, company, RIA firm starting up, often they, you know, you might show up and see a crate of paperwork, right? That you have to deal with to get thousands of clients over. We're trying to figure out how do we do this with, like, you know, a couple of clicks of the button or several clicks of a button digitally, fully digital. And um, again, this is this, this is uh, this is like a massive batch type of processing and digital experience as opposed to just the onesie twosie onboarding accounts. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So that, that that's another one that we're excited about that we're working on. And then and then also as we do this, we're we're bringing in the third party community. There's there's a few uh, entrants that that have cropped up in the third party community around on, onboarding and being able to do, for example, multi custody. Uh, onboarding all at one time, and uh, you know I can't I can't build a digital experience for for that. Um, I can just do it for what we do at Schwab and what we custody at Schwab, but we can work with the third party uh, communities on that, which uh, we're we're doing that as well. Which brings up an interesting point that I I, I kind of want to dive into is y'all are focusing on the integrations um, in terms of with your third parties, like you mentioned the. Uh, the Black Diamonds, SSNCs, and uh, Investnets, and Orions, etc. Uh, how how do y'all spend time, or in, in the industry, are y'all looking at you know working together with other custodians? Because in theory, in you know, in practicality, in theory, y'all want all of the business to be at Schwab, which makes sense. But in reality, many firms have mul- are multi custodial. Is there any focus as an industry as we move forward? for custodians to work better together in terms of um, helping the industry as a whole. Is that something on the on the radar of not just, I'm not saying Schwab in general, I'm saying just from your seat that you talk with other custodians. Is that something in the ring that y'all are talking about these days? Uh, yes. I, I, you know, in fairness to, to, to all of us, um, we, we've, we've always done that, right? Um, I think the, the biggest pain point right now when you talk to advisors uh, and, and even in the industry is just around the data. Yeah. So I, that's probably what you're talking about, Matt. Right? Yeah. And, you know, the consistency of data, stuff like that. So if you, if you go back even 15 years ago or so on the, on the trading side, which is a, the stuff that, I've, that I own for many years, a decade or more, um, you know, there was a, there, it, it came up with an industry protocol called FIX. Right, fixed messaging, and, and uh, that's what not just the custodians, but the the exchanges. You know, that's how trades go around, and we have amazing integration. Uh, matter of fact, more than half of our equity trades from uh, RAs are from third parties. They're not from our own website um, because it just works so well. So we, we, there has been precedent for that many years ago, but we're, really, we're just not uh, getting a lot of traction on the consistency of data. So we do. I, I have. Uh, People that, and friends, I call them friends that I talk to, my counterparts at the, the major custodians. Um, so it's on the radar, yeah, but I, I would say there's no like active project and anybody working on it right now is a big thing to, um, it's a big thing to figure out. The best thing that I, I would say that's going on right now is because of the, the aggregators, the data aggregators out there, right, on the, on the end client side, uh, for budgeting and purposes like that. They want to know what the, the, your, typically your bank checking account balances and all that, and they bring it all into one screen. I won't use the names. You can probably guess what I'm talking about. There's lots of them. Um, the, the custodians and the banks are doing a better job right now of implementing, and this is actually happening, actual APIs that you can uh, credential and authenticate third parties 
for the aggregation of data to make it more consistent and normalize that data instead of screen scraping and things like that. Right, right. right. And yeah. I think that's a great start that maybe uh, in, in several years we'll say, boy, that was the start where we finally started to see some consistency across the industry. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think that that's the, that's the necessary first that, that needs to happen uh, when it comes to data. Uh, I want to take a step uh, kind of from the from the level of Schwab down to the R, the RAs that you see. Um, you work and talk with a lot of different RAs across the country, and uh, I'd be interested to know, you know, as you look at those RAs and you kind of bucket them as innovative, slightly innovative, not very innovative. Um, those 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 firms that you say are really innovative in the space. What are those RAs doing when it comes to technology relative to those that? Yeah, just aren't yet really innovative in your mind. Um, a couple things, right? So, so there, there's innovation and there's innovation. So, I, I, I'm assuming you're talking about technology innovation, but there's not always technology innovation. Sometimes innovation is just you, know, you walk into the office and there's all a bunch of Broncos stuff in there, and it just makes the client feel really, uh, really comfortable. <laughs> That's a fair point. That's a very fair right. point. There, that's right. There, there are there are firms that have like music and guitars in their lobby, and you know they they, they tend to niche into uh, bands and, and musicians and stuff, right? So there are ways to be very innovative about their relationships with their client. But now, if we talk about technology innovation, it's always about the client as well, though. How do you differentiate yourself and deepen that client relationship? So, uh, you know, the firms are, are typically, in my opinion. Um, remember what I said about the leadership stuff that I like? I think it's similar. If you saw the, the principals and even the, the, down to the, all the employees at these firms that are more innovative, efficient, whatever you will, with technology, they're, they're the same way outside of work. <laughs> they, are, they like technology. They just do. And outside of work, they, they like it. It's not just the younger generation. It, it, obviously, we talk about that a lot as well, the Gen Zs and the Gen Y. But um, I, I know a lot of people my age. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a young pup, and that they just love technology outside of work. They, they can tell you all about the latest iPhone and this and that, and then they bring that to their practice, and they're they really drive, and they talk about it in the break room and over lunch, and it, it's kind of part of the culture. And they're always driving forward, looking for technology efficiencies and better digital experiences for their clients, things like that. And that's what I've noticed in my. Even here at Schwab, in my enterprise digital services, typically a lot of the conversations in the break room or over lunch are kind of over technology stuff, right? Right. Because uh, that's what we do and that's what resonates with us. So it, that, that lends to a culture in an RA firm that I, 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 say, I say, oh, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you're, look, you're pushing me here because you're, you're kind of a techie. You like that stuff, right? Right. Right. Uh, they're they're the ones they're the ones that download the new iOS uh, the the new iOS right away and are playing around with all the little gadgets and features that they have yeah. on their iPhone and talking about it. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so you know that's a piece of it. There there's I mean there's so many things. There's there's so what, I would say what whatever the strong influences are in that practice, and it can be that it can be that there's a, a maybe there is a younger succession planning generation coming in. Um, that, uh, you know, it, it really has been part of their lives since they were in grade school, and they don't even think of this as being innovative. They, that's what I mean. I always, when, when you ask me my priorities, I, I go dot, dot, I, I say, oh, well, it's kind of boring, because a lot of times I have people that say, it's not innovation, it's boring, come on. <laughs> to them, 
<laughs> you know, you and I think it's very innovative and it's just a given for some people that right. you might be bringing into your office now. Yeah, that is so true. That's so true. I think that, um, and also we're talking about it every day, right? So we think, I mean, it's it's in our blood and uh, to other people, uh, they don't, it just it sometimes goes over their head. And I think that that's the difference, right? Those that are, are really in tune with what is going on from a technology standpoint and innovation standpoint in the industry and are eager to learn and test and iterate with it, right? They're, they're the ones right. that like to get in there and try it out um, and, and and see where it goes. Those are the ones that are kind of really, really innovative on that side. A couple more questions I want to go down. Um, you know, I want to touch on, you know, really three more quick ones before getting to buy, sell. But um, you see, because a lot of people want to, want to work with Schwab and you all are innovating with the accelerators, which I think is an amazing and, and forward-thinking idea you see a lot of different kind of technologies and innovation that's in your blood. I'd be curious for you uh, from a technology standpoint, you know, one or two of those technology innovations that, that, that are, that you look at or that you see uh, that really seem crazy right now to most of the industry, right? People are like no chance that ever makes it in our industry. Uh, but you believe maybe mainstays in the future. Are, are there anything out there, whether it's from VR to, uh, you know, Amazon, I don't know what deal with Amazon, but anything out there that you see and you're like, wow, that would be crazy, but it actually could happen. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's funny. I, the VR thing, I, 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 uh, I, have you heard of market digital? You know, they, they, we do a lot of work with market digital up in Colorado here. And one time they brought, they, they mentioned they were doing VR and they came in. I, I said, I got to see this. I want to see this. So, you know, it's just Oculus or something. I tried to sound cool because, like, I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> and uh, they, they came in, and we, we had this, you, know, you had to make all the walls dark and stuff. I put the thing on, and it was fascinating. It was, you know, you go into a room, and you could use your hands to move the quotes and the charts and stuff that were, like, on the wall that you were looking at. It was, like, interactive, super interactive. And I thought, this is amazing. And then they showed the branch, and how, you know, this, you know again, this, this is out there even for me, but really interesting that there could be a day where you put, you, you just tell, so like today, you and I, Matt, you say, okay, John, uh, put on your VR headset at uh, 2 o'clock, I'll do it at 2 o'clock, and I'll meet you in room C. And you put it in, you're in there, whatever this gamification thing is, you're in there. So think of it like an advisor with the client, and it literally, like I'm looking at you, you can even make yourself look really good that day, right? Because you're in <laughs> VR. We all look great. And uh, you can have whatever, you know, just with a click of a button or whatever, it makes the whole ambiance amazing. And you're literally sitting at a desk with a financial plan and everything right there in a personal interaction, but nobody had to travel at all. Yeah. And I, that really hit me like, whoa, that's, that, that bricks and mortar could be interesting there. Uh, you know, traditionally we think, well, someone has to travel, get in a car, make sure they got gas in the car, maybe even fly somewhere, sit, you know, make an appointment, sit down, wait in the lobby, blah, blah, blah. So uh, you can just pick like a WebEx time. We're all used to WebEx right now. And by the way, when I first started uh, being told here at Schwab that we had to do all of our meetings on WebEx with a video, I, I, I told my boss, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. I don't want to. You know, there's no way are you going to be sitting here on video with me on every meeting. And today, I get really annoyed if someone doesn't turn on their video. <laughs> <laughs> it's just really funny how you adopt these things. Uh, and then you say, I can't believe I used to do that. Um, so, uh, you know, that's an interesting one. Uh, the ability to have 
actually client interactions where you're kind of sitting with them, going over a plan, and it's a lot more efficient and easy, especially if a question comes up around, well, what about that? And it's, it's digital. Yeah. Very, very easy to facilitate that. So that's one. And then, you know, I just say, you see, I know this, these are all buzzwords, the AI and machine learning, but we're not doing much there, um, in my opinion, and a lot of uh, other B2C industries are. And it's really around, as, as your end client begins to become more digitally active with your stuff, right? They're very digitally active, to your point, with Amazon and everything else, right? But as they become much more digitally active, and they might still be having engagements with you, you're, you know, relationship might start to be more digital, but you're having a lot of touch points with them. But as they, as they become more digitally active, th- there's more behaviors available from uh, their digital activity that can uh, machine learning can inform you, for example, hey, Matt, you know, you might want to give this client a call because typically when you see these types of inquiries and things, within 30 days, it's, a, it, it's attrition risk. Mm-hmm. I want to call them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, things that aren't necessarily, you still call it an attrition score. You know, you get a score of a 30. Uh-oh, it's a 30. I, got, I better call. What's going on? Have you been doing, you know, so a lot of that's going on in other industries. I, I don't see a lot of that going on uh, in our industry. That sounds a little crazy right now, but... Uh, I think that one might be inevitable at some point. Well, you even take, I mean, something that is going on but not being utilized to its fullest potential is, you know, sentiment analysis, right? How can you have sentiment analysis help you understand that your email, the email from your client means that they're really upset? How do you deal with right. that, right? Uh, how can you have that be notified to you really quickly that, shoot, my, this client, you know, maybe I'm in a meeting, but it pings my assistant because it's like, this client's really upset. We got to deal with it right away, uh, which, is, which is in the industry yeah. now, but it's not being used to the fullest potential. And when you were talking about the VR stuff, I, I was smiling because, I mean, that is something that I think can, I've talked about it from the idea of training, right? How you can train advisors to get, young advisors to get up and running by throwing in different scenarios of them sitting across with different scenarios of people and how they deal with it and analyzing it. But that idea of, of VR with how you deal with clients, I mean, think about it, you know, 10 years from now, you know, you may be sitting there and every time a client signs up with your firm, you're giving them VR Oculus goggles or whatever they are, glasses, because that's how yeah. you want to meet with them after after you met with them once in person. Uh, and you can have a huge whiteboard and huge screens and moving everything around and make it really interactive. Uh, that's crazy, but not too well, far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. Not and, too and far-fetched. if you want their, their daughter and their uh, son also to attend and they're all in different countries, who cares? Right. Doesn't matter anymore. And now everybody's sitting in one room around a table and it's the next evolution of a Zoom meeting, um, which is yeah. which is re- re- remarkable. Um, and, and that kind of leads to the last question before buy sell is, you know, again, from your seat, take out that crystal ball. Where is what does our industry look like 10 years from now? Uh, uh, so I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it and I hate it because uh, I, I honestly, Matt, I, I think I, you and I mentioned, you may have talked about this a little bit at Impact last year. I think we're kidding ourselves if we think we know. I mean, it, it, things are changing so much. There's so much pace of change, everything going on in the world and especially in technology. If we're going to sit here and say that, you know, I have a crystal ball of 10 years, I'm kidding myself, right? That being said, um, I, I think... Some of the things we just talked about are, are going to be at play. I think that the, the, the manual 
task, task, you know, the tactic-based uh, capabilities are gone. Obviously, you're you're dealing with uh, really forward-thinking user, digital user experiences. But at the same time, um, it's all about the client, right? It's it's, it's always about the client, and uh, I think that you're going to uh, you're going to see much better consolidated. Uh, user experiences. So think of, you know, we talked about data aggregation and multi-custody and things like that. Um, I like to remind my peers at times that uh, advisors aren't just onboarding, uh, uh, you know, accounts and things that we custody. And sometimes it's, it's like nothing personal to us. It's insurance or something we don't do, right, Matt? And there, there are going to be a number of digital experiences. If we look out 10 years, I think that the usage uh, this, you know, my friends around here might not uh, agree or like this sentiment from me, but I just feel that the, the proprietary custodian digital experiences for B2B, so for, for advisors like yourself, will be used much less than they are today, and, and there will be much more choice uh, for consolidated experiences for you and your end client to then uh, reach into our capabilities and our platform. Yeah. If that makes yeah. Sense. No, that makes I, sense. I, to, the point, to the point where it, it might dwarf my, uh, you know, what we have today. Which then brings the point we talked about earlier, right? The the collaboration between multiple you know, firms, yeah. you know, not just custodians. It's every type of firm that's out there. There has to be multi collaboration uh, to create this architecture that allows for. Uh, the end client it has to. We have to all remember it's all about the end client uh, experience, right. which is what you you point out a lot. Um, all right. Well, let's move into buy sell. I, I mean, we could sit here and talk about this all day. We've done it. We've had multiple conversations like this uh, that, that have extended beyond our time. Um, but I want to continue moving things along. And, and buy sell is my cheesy aspect of how to bring in this technology conversation with the the, the traditional buying and selling investing side. So four four questions: buy or sell. Buy means you agree. Sell means you disagree. Kind of give a sense or two of why you get lean one way or the other. Uh, we'll see if you're a bull or a bear. Uh, and I'm going to start off with a, with a, uh, I think it's a softball, uh, but buy or sell, RIAs today are fully leveraging all of the technology resources that their custodial partners have to offer. That's softball. <laughs> That's a sell. Um, so I'm, I'm a bear on that one. Uh, you know, we, we totally get barriers to adoption. Um, uh, but at the same time, we still, like I said, we still see a significant amount of manual uh, faxes, paperwork, phone calls for capabilities that we uh, have in market digital. So, um, and it's not just us. This is, I, you know, I, I am uh, very close with uh, many fintech firms. Matter of fact, by the end of this year, we expect to have a hundred, not over a hundred. Uh, uh, firms actually integrating directly into our platform, and we know that uh, all leveraging our partners as well. Okay. Is that is that you think that's an education issue, or is it a lack of desire from uh, the RIA side, or is it a combination of both, or is it a, is it a lack of promotion from the custodial side? All of it. Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's all of it. Um, I, I think that. Uh, there, there's there's a couple things there, right? Some of it is just uh, adverse to change. You know, I get it. I'll do it someday. Matter of fact, I'll even sign up for it. I'm just not going to adopt or use it yet because I get it. Uh, you know, we're so busy bringing in business and things have never been better that I, I just can't mix up the, the cart here. Right? Yeah. 
and it's just working. <laughs> like we're used to it. Everybody, like you mentioned, the training, everything's just working. Like don't mess, mess up my stuff. I'll come back to it later. So that's that's one piece. Another big piece of uh, for us that we see is, and, and this could be good advice for uh, firms that are looking to do innovation as well. Um, when you get, you know, so you get something into market, Matt, you're never going to get a hundred percent of that capability into market. So let's call it digital account open. Well, you know how many account types there are and nuances there are and different things there are state to state and everything else, right? So there's always a long tail. You're never going to come up with a hundred percent. And we've seen, and we've got direct feedback from some advisors that said, I can't just tell my, my people to, you know, oh, do, use your digital capability, but memorize which ones aren't in there yet, <laughs> right? And, and we, it's hard, and, and I get it, to, to see adoption until, you know, they know, all right, if I go there and I go to do that, again, instead of picking up the phone and tell, talking to this person that I, I love to talk to every day, right, <laughs> um, that, I, that I'm not going to be surprised that I can't do that type of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So the long tail is important for full adoption. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, buy, sell. Advisor-client relationships will look different five years from today. I know this is not your your favorite types of questions, but I'm doing it anyways. <laughs> Man, this is a tough one. Uh, can, I, can I pull like an option straddle here and do a buy and a sell? Yeah, yeah. You, I'll, give you, I'll give you a straddle one. option. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is you know I, I get it. it's all about the client relationship and the client, so I don't think that the importance uh, is going to look any different. Um, I do think that, uh, and maybe I will buy here. All right, I'll buy this. It's going to look different in that you're going to be able to have much uh, better and, uh, quality discussions and time with your client. By the way, it doesn't necessarily mean it's in person, it could be digitally, um, than you do today because today we still are wrapped up to some extent with a lot of, uh, you know, non-value-add interactions. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm into that. I, I mean, I think the number is a 30 to 50% of our time is spent menial mundane tasks as opposed to you know that time being able to be spent with building deeper more meaningful relationships with our clients and just think about the impact that that could have in terms of you know the the stickiness and the value you're able to provide and and how easy it would be to show your value to your clients if you're able to do that with that period of time Uh, i agree Buy or sell, artificial intelligence, the big buzzword, is a technology that advisors will be using within their firms 10 years from today and will go beyond just using artificial intelligence within asset allocation help. Uh, that's a buy. And uh, it's because you gave it 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it gave you a long you know, period. I, I, think, I think there's a lot of optimism out there. Oh, it's coming, you know, the, the buzzword to your point. I, I don't think it's going to be widely out there in a year or two here. Uh, you go ten years, I would be shocked if uh, it was not in play and, and, and in place, going way beyond asset allocation. Help, in my opinion. All right, great. Last one: buy or sell. The current technology stack that advisors have today will be the same stack they have in seven years. Sell. So, yeah, that's a definite. Uh, that's a sell for me, and that's that. Boy, I, you know, I'll just say I sure hope that's not the case for any advisors because if it is, you're, you're not taking advantage <laughs> of the amazing things now, but in seven years, there'll be so many. Uh, and the, the ability, Matt, to change up your tech stack will be night and day in seven years, in my opinion, compared to what it is today. Today is, oh, such a pain. Can't imagine doing it. But with the, under, the foundational, you know, the data piece we talked about, other things, the ability to... Uh, 
to move around pieces of your tech stack, right? Not your whole tech stack, pieces of your tech stack should be so much easier. Again, you gave me seven years here. Yeah. Not three years. Well, I mean, check. I mean, the change cost to change CRMs, for instance, right, is so painful. But as innovation right. as innovation occurs within technology, the change cost will become it will start coming down, right? As that becomes, uh, as innovation becomes more uh, advanced from that standpoint, I believe I, I agree with you there. All right, we're yeah. gonna wrap it up. You got you got a lot of uh, people depending on you, so uh, we're gonna let this wrap up. Uh, closing thought from you, closing thought from me, and we'll let everybody get back to their day. But for your closing thought, what's one thing that you think that a, a financial advisor, an RA, can take back to their firm today uh, and they can implement uh, to help really push their firm forward and ahead of the rest of the industry? Well, you know, before, you know, coming on with you today, and, and again, thanks for having me. I love, uh, I love chatting. We always catch up at all these events and impact and T3 stuff like that, and I, I enjoy the conversation. So I, I did think about what we we're going to talk about. You know, at the, at the end of the day, it's always about the client. So when we're talking about technology, we're talking about technology adoption, digital, it's not just, oh, everybody's doing it, advisors should be thinking about all this stuff. It's not. It's, it, it, this is coming from your clients. Right? I, it, we, we talked about this, Matt. The, the ecosystem out there in the world, outside of our industry, is right in our face. Our clients are using all these things. It's, it's just there. There's nothing... It's not going to stop, right? Uh, it's there. It's already there. Um, our clients are telling us, and when I say our clients, I'm talking about you. So I'm in the B2B space, but we have end clients. It's always about the end client, and they're telling us this. And there's two ways that I look at this, right? So in my uh, back in the travel industry days, um, have you ever heard the you know the hotel with a pool analogy? Did I ever give you that one, Matt? No. It's, okay, so. You know, one of the things that a client would always say is, I'll only stay in a hotel when I'm traveling, typically business travelers, right? So you got business traveling, I say, I'll only stay in a hotel that's got a pool. <laughs> and you're like, well, wait, a pool? Like, do you swim? Do you? And they're like, well, no, I've never used it, but I just feel like if it has a pool, like it's probably a better hotel, they're probably legit, right? They're cleaner <laughs> and I trust it, right? And I, I think I think there's a there's one piece of this discussion around there. If you're going to uh, be asking clients to entrust their net worth and their their hard-earned savings in you, and you don't at, at least appear to have tech savvy uh, and a forward-thinking technology stack, if you will, right? I think there's a pool analogy play here. Um, I, I can just tell you personally, Matt, that would be an issue with me. It, uh, I, I might not ever use the, the, you know, maybe some of the digital tools that are available to me from my advisor, but I kind of want to see that they got them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's one piece of it. And then, um, you know, the, the last piece that, that I wanted to say is that what we're talking about actually is not a pool. It, it does have value. And it gets back to like what you and I were saying about having better conversations, better relationships with our clients. Um, because it's enabling us to do this. And um, one of the things that, we, that I talked about here is, I, you know, Schwab always, when you, when you ask, why, why Schwab? Why is it so great? Our clients always say, oh, the people. It's the people. And, and I think that through all the years, we, we actually won in the marketplace because we had so many forced interactions. We, you know, we, we interacted with our clients so many times because it was kind of a manual thing. Remember the trades that had to be called in, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, they, and, and we're just nice people that care about the client, and that we won through all of these client interactions. But imagine in the future with the, the digital transformation, 
how many more interactions you're going to actually be able to have with your client. It's actually more. It's not less. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's not just the quality. It actually potentially is the quantity of interactions that make that client sticky and want to stay with you that, that, that all this stuff enables. Yeah, I, I'm into that. And I am going to, uh, I'm going to say it here on air. I, I'm stealing that pool analogy. I think that that is an amazing analogy. Uh, <laughs> I think that that is great. And, and John, we always appreciate you ha- coming on. And, and if, hold one second. I'm going to do the my closing thought real quick, and then we'll, we'll close this out. But I, I am in agreement with that closing thought. I think that firms can learn a lot from that. Uh, for me, it, it's I want to take a second to stand still and look back, right? We always talk forward thinking. 20 years ago, a few things were happening. Think about this. Microsoft launched Windows 95. It's launched its fifth restaurant in Moscow. Michael Jackson held his first ever online chat. And then Tiger Woods won the U.S. Amateur as a 19-year-old. Today, Windows has released 11 more versions. McDonald's now has over 650 restaurants in Moscow. Fans can interact with their idols instantaneously on Twitter. And Tiger Woods has won 15 majors. Things have changed quite drastically in just 20 years. We all understand that time moves quickly, but what we can't really comprehend is that technology evolves even faster. The evolution in technology in the world is exponential. Every evolution in technology spurs an exponentially greater amount of innovation in the future. It's not linear and it's not incremental. It truly is exponential. Windows 95 was an amazing technological advancement, which took decades before we ever saw it come to be. And we have seen 11 iterations in just 20 years. That's pretty impressive. Do you want to really see exponential technology? When it's 12 years old. And we've already, we're already on the 13th version of iOS. We are creating and updating new versions of software for our phones at a rate of one time per year. Microsoft couldn't even do that. The ability to do that was built off of the lessons we learned from Microsoft Windows. What does this all mean to us in the financial advisor space? It means that we too are going to experience the exponential development of technology. It is going to have an impact on our business and already has. The challenge for us in the industry is that if we don't accept the innovation that is happening and begin to find ways to adopt it, then we will be left behind. It's a little easier to make up ground when things are advancing incrementally, but it's much more challenging doing so when they are exponential. Think about the firms that still take trade requests over the phone. They aren't here anymore. That's why you can't think of any. We need to, as an industry, accept the challenges of adopting new technologies and work with them as opposed to against them. Because doing that will leave us light years ahead of our competitors that will wait to push it off. John Connor, amazing conversation as always. So valuable, so insightful. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Yep. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for your time. And we'll be back in your ears next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 